You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. What's up, guys? It's your host, Hao here. In today's episode of Vietnam Innovators, we are joined by the British Consul General in Ho Chi Minh City, Emily Hamlin. Emily was appointed as Consul General in Ho Chi Minh City in September 2020, and aside from being the senior UK official in the Consul General, she's also the director for the Department of International Trade in Vietnam. The DIT offers expertise and contacts through their extensive network of specialists to support and provide help for UK companies to succeed in Vietnam and Vietnamese companies to set up and invest in the UK. As Vietnam and UK's bilateral cooperation continues to evolve and create investment and growth opportunities for both countries, it will be insightful to hear firsthand from Emily Hamlin herself how this partnership has grown and how it will continue to grow in the future. It is an honor to have her today here at the Radio Room, Emily Hamlin, as she shares about her role as Consul General and the innovative collaboration that's at the heart of the UK-Vietnam relationship. But before we begin, we'd also like to extend a big thanks to our sponsors, health tech startup GeoHealth. GeoHealth is known for their innovative products and services to improve the healthcare system in Vietnam. Drop by a visit to one of their new smart clinics at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City for the latest, or download their mobile apps on the App Store or Google Play for more. What's up, guys? It's your host, uh, the CEO of Vietcetra Hao, here at the Radio Room in Ho Chi Minh City at the Vietcetra office. Uh, Today, we're welcoming a very special guest. Um, Her schedule is super busy, so we're very thankful that she's made time for us, but also you guys, our listeners. Her name is Emily Hamlin. She's the con- uh, Consul General of the United Kingdom. Um, she's also the Director of Trade uh, for Vietnam as well. So we're very happy to welcome her, her here today to the show, uh, Vietnam Innovators, and for her to share more about the UK and Vietnam relationship. Emily, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's um, wonderful to, to be here. Excellent. Um, today, we've got a number of questions lined up for you about not only the relationship, but the future of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a lot of landmark deals being done, like the free trade agreement, which we'd love to hear you kind of share more about. And of course, our listeners, I'm sure, are very keen to hear about how they can uh, leverage those tax savings to increase trade between the two countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have a ton of reader questions. Um, I actually, uh, we have a habit of kind of having those readers or listeners, I guess, um, kind of call in mm-hmm. and and share those questions uh, with us uh, on our audio system. So we'll be sharing some of those. Um, we shared on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We got mm-hmm. about 60 questions from our readership. So we'll be playing a couple. Um, we've kind of filtered it for you. So it's not <laughs> going to be too out of the ballpark kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we'll play those later in today's show as well. Oh, that sounds um, great. Looking forward to hearing some yes. good and hopefully not too tricky questions. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think you know our first one for you, Emily, is we just want to hear about like what is uh, the key ambition for the UK mission to Vietnam this year? Twenty twenty one, we're overcoming a lot of challenges from last year. Mm. This is a year to reset a bit. Uh, we know in the UK, obviously, uh, vaccines are, are pumping out one yeah. of some of the best in the world in terms yeah. of uh, a rollout. 
Um, and you guys are probably thinking, what's the future for us now? Yeah. Um, here in Vietnam, uh, what are some things that we can hopefully look forward to? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right in terms of 2020. It was a pretty uh, challenging and unprecedented in many ways year globally. Um, but actually for the UK and Vietnam and our bilateral relationship, mm -hmm. it was a pretty good year. Mm -hmm. And there was some really remarkable achievements, not least, as you just mentioned, the fact that we signed our UK-Vietnam free trade agreement just at the end of December. And so when I'm looking ahead to this year coming up, definitely that is, for me and my team, one of our key priorities is going to be making sure that we are focused on implementing that free trade agreement and talking about it as widely as possible, raising the profile of the opportunities that are included in that free trade agreement mm -hmm. and making sure that businesses here in Vietnam and back in the UK know how they can how they can benefit from that and also more more widely continuing to push forward our bilateral trade agenda and our multilateral trade agenda so you might have heard that the UK has applied as well to join CPTPP mm. which is this um, trade agreement that includes some of some of the world's most dynamic economies including Vietnam so we're really keen to to get involved with that too um, so I would definitely highlight trade mm -hmm. as a kind of big area of focus and um, you know, as I say, the, f the free trade agreement just came in at the beginning of this year. We've already seen in January a 78% increase in bilateral mm. trade compared to January last year. So that's really exciting, given that a lot of the benefits, you know, it's over the next six or so years to full implementation that 99% of tariffs will be removed. So we're just at the first stages of that, and already mm -hmm. we're seeing this, this huge Fantastic. impact. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. And in terms of kind of other key areas, I think, for the relationship this mm -hmm. year, I definitely highlight health as well. Mm -hmm. So I think for the whole world, health is going to remain a key focus for this year as we you know, start winning the, the battle with COVID-19. And I think that's true for the UK-Vietnam relationship as well. We've, we have been and will definitely continue to work really closely on things like vaccines and keeping on top of the latest science to position us as well as possible to to fight to fight COVID-19 and other global health challenges and um, you know, it was really exciting for me last week I was at the airport here in Ho Chi Minh City with AstraZeneca and the Ministry of Health and VNBC when the very first shipment of vaccines of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine arrived here mm -hmm. in Vietnam so that's you know I think a real cause for hope mm -hmm. and, um, and, a, and a great thing to be building on in this coming year and then I'd highlight one third area as well um, which is climate and sustainability. So that's a really key priority for us in the UK. We're going to be hosting COP26 in November of this year, which is a um, you know, world leaders coming together to set ambitions for how we can collectively fight climate change. And I think particularly within that here in Vietnam, I think there's so many opportunities in renewable energy, and the UK has a lot of experience in that space. So great opportunities to work together. In the UK, we've got more installed offshore wind capacity than any other country in the world. And Vietnam has similar offshore wind resources to the UK. So that's kind of, I think, uh, an obvious but really important area for partnership. And I think the thing running through those three areas of, of trade and health and climate is, um, from my point of view, is is science and innovation, technology, mm -hmm. and partnership. Mm. So those two kind of really key themes and kind of inclusive partnership. So I think 
you know, whether it's COVID, that's how we're going to beat COVID, is using cutting-edge science. The Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine is a really good example of that, and doing it in partnership, um, and in, in inclusive partnerships, and that's the same uh, for, for trade and for climate as well. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, um, I actually, I live here in Ho Chi Minh City in District 1, and mm-hmm. I, I pass by Liz Wong Street all the time, which yeah. is where the consulate's located. Yeah. And I always see those uh, banners or posters, as you might call it, uh, right outside the consulate. Yeah, yeah. Remind me of, about what that campaign is. It's like, uh, Great is... Great, or, yeah. So it's yeah. all about um, the fact that, so another name for the UK, Great mm. Britain. Mm-hmm. And so the campaign is all about the things that uh, we stand for mm. in the UK, and so it's things like innovation is great, yes. education yeah, yeah. is great, um, science is great, and kind of highlighting what we what we what we stand for, what the strengths are of the UK, and what mm-hmm. we're looking to bring mm. in partnerships that we're building here. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you living in Ho Chi Minh City or Hanoi, um, obviously pass by the consulate and embassy. I'm sure you'll see those on proud display. Yeah. And and of course, as you mentioned, the AstraZeneca vaccine. We're all very eager to hear when that rollout is actually happening very mm. soon, very imminently, of course. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure people will be remembering that relationship as, as that rolls out. So great to hear that. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned um, innovation is very key yeah. at, a, at a broad scale that applies to healthcare, to all these other sectors. Yeah. Um, why does the UK see innovation as so key to its growth in a country like Vietnam, which is you know, on, on a broad scale, not as developed as key markets like the U.S., let's say, or other in Europe, yeah. uh, where I understand you are a director of innovation. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so why, why Vietnam in the context of innovation? Yeah. So I think, well, from the U.K.'s perspective, um, firstly, I think it's it's one of our real strengths that we bring to any partnership is mm-hmm. that we uh, are very much a country that is about science and research and innovation. We've got three of the world's top 10 universities based in the UK with with third in the world in terms of creating uh, tech unicorns. Um, And I think then when we look at Vietnam, it's it's this really young tech savvy population um, growing fast. And the tech sector here is is at such an exciting phase, I think. I think uh, if I remember rightly, the tech sector here is growing at four times the rate of general GDP growth. So Mm. it's this, this kind of really... Um, explosion of the tech sector going on Mm -hmm. here so that's why we think that's a really exciting place to be building new partnerships and it's also it's cross-cutting as well you know these tech and innovation it's relevant to to lots of the different sectors that Mm -hmm. we are particularly focused on and seeing opportunity in from health to areas like renewable energy infrastructure um, even you know education and it's transforming the way that we do things in all of these different sectors. So I think it's, yeah, it's it's an area that we really want to be leaning into. Excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, moving along uh, with the topic of innovation, mm. I, I understand you lived in um, Paris in Europe uh, several for several years, mm-hmm. um, but just moved to Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Um, and you were the director of regional director for U- the UK Science and Innovation uh, Network. What does that what does that kind of role entail, and and what do you hope to bring from your learnings in that role to here in Vietnam? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I was in Paris for four and a half years before coming here, and as you say, I was um, running the UK government's science and innovation network. First of all, across West Europe, and then later across Europe, Russia, and Turkey. And um, that's it's basically the science and innovation network is an is a network of offices mm-hmm. based in embassies and consulates around the world who exist in order to build research um, partnerships between the UK and different countries. And I think um, 
that's a, I think it's the UK recognises that diplomacy is really key to enabling the best science. So scientists want to work with other excellent experts in their field wherever they mm. can around the world, but there are sometimes barriers in the way or sometimes a need to help people to connect and to unlock these opportunities. And so the government actively trying to do that and to play that role, particularly in some of the biggest areas of science, you know, the likes of big scientific infrastructure, big scientific experiments going on. Um, governments play a really key role in that. But also on the flip side, that science is really important to government and including um, our international work as government. And we need to be accessing and drawing on the latest science, the best advice, the mm -hmm. best evidence when we're deciding our policies and when we're thinking about how to build relationships and, and who we're with. Um, science is really important in that. And so I think that's definitely something that it was it was the main focus of my last job, but it's mm -hmm. also something that I just really believe in. So have definitely brought with me into this job as well. Excellent. And yeah. of course, um, you know, UK being a hub for this kind of stuff, Vietnamese, I'm, I'm sure, are very drawn to it, especially at a younger age. I hope so. Um, I hope so. Um, education being a big part of that. Yeah. I don't know exactly, but uh, I was just um, talking to the Bloomberg bureau chief this morning. Mm -hmm. He's American, and he mm -hmm. was saying how um, Vietnam, out of all Southeast Asian countries, actually sends the most number of students to the US, so more than Indonesia, more than yeah. Singapore, more than Thailand. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can share more that helps illustrate this connection at a education and science and innovation yeah. a level. Um, kind of like how many students are really interested in, in studying in the UK and exchanging knowledge? Um, yeah. Maybe you can share some high level numbers there. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So um, we have, uh, or you know, before, before COVID, we had about uh, 12,000 Vietnamese mm -hmm. students in the UK, and we're definitely looking to continue to build and to grow that number and grow those links um, but as well as attracting students to come to the UK and, and study there which I think you know there's amazing opportunities mm -hmm. for people there um, we're also thinking about how uh, people in Vietnam can study for UK qualifications or with UK institutions mm -hmm. while staying here in Vietnam as mm -hmm. well so building lots of different education partnerships in that space so over the last um, 10 years, for example, there have been over 50 new university-to-university uh, university partnerships mm -hmm. in that space that enable those institutions to offer courses and qualifications here in Vietnam. And then we also have um, one thing that um, is definitely worth me plugging, I think, to, to your audience is um, something called the Chevening Scholarships, mm -hmm. which is uh, every year we offer a limited number of of master's placements, so mm. it's a fully funded scholarship to go and do a I master's. I think I was considering that a number of years back. Never got around to it, I moved to Vietnam instead, but <laughs> I'm sure there's high demand for that uh, here in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it gets a really good response rate, but it's, mm. a, it's an amazing um, offer, yeah, mm. fully funded scholarship to do a master's in mm. any subject, mm. any institution in the UK, and it gets, because it gets this really high demand, the types of people who win these scholarships are just really amazing people. So as well as the experience itself, you also become part of this network of mm. inspirational people who are changing the world. And over, how many from Vietnam usually uh, kind of not only apply, but actually end up going to, to the UK through the I can't remember actually the exact numbers, but mm. I can, I'll can come back to you mm -hmm. and, and, and let you know. Mm -hmm. We're about to start doing the interviews and I know that it's a lot. Mm -hmm. What are some like uh, traits and, and qualifications that mm. 
your team kind of looks at when considering these applicants? So we're definitely looking for really strong leadership skills. Mm. So people who um, are not only excellent in their, their topic mm -hmm. and have a really clear idea of what they want to go and study and why and what they're going to do with it, but also have these transferable leadership skills where they are going to come back and really um, make the most of what they've learned and sharing mm -hmm. it with people mm -hmm. and leading, leading change in whichever sector or area it is that they're choosing to focus on. Excellent. You definitely should have applied. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to. I guess I still qualify. I don't know what the exact yeah. qualifications are, but I'll, yeah. I'll take a look. Um, anyways, you know, going off this whole conversation of, of young Vietnamese really, you know, um, connecting with a UK relationship, uh, we had quite a number of uh, listener questions. Uh -huh. So um, we field them online. Yeah. I don't know if you saw any of the posts I was making, maybe on LinkedIn or whatever, yeah, but yeah, we I got did, quite did. a number and uh -huh. we just want to hear from a couple of them. Yeah. So. Uh, Zoe, our producer, maybe you can uh, play the first of the two, I think, that we're showcasing today. Mm -hmm. Hello, Emily. I hope this question finds you. What are some economic trade and other figures that you can share that illustrate the Vietnam and UK relationship? Thank you. Great. Cool. So, Great yeah. Question. Um, Shall I wait for the second? Or oh, no, no. We'll, we'll go, straight in. go straight in. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, so I think, I mean, there are so many different facts and figures that I could share, but a couple of the ones that have, that have really struck me, I think, firstly, really shortly after I arrived last mm -hmm. year, we, we celebrated 10 years of the UK-Vietnam strategic partnership. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the figures that really struck me was that over that 10-year period, trade between the UK and Vietnam had tripled. Mm -hmm. um, so it had actually grown by an average of 12% each year, which is a huge growth trajectory for a trade relationship to be on. And, um, and, and you know, by the end of that period, it was sort of around nearly six billion pounds or 6.6 6 billion. And this is before US the free dollars. trade agreement. And this is before okay. the free trade agreement yeah, as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's an amazing growth trajectory that mm. um, I am absolutely focused on continuing into mm. the future and that I think will continue into the future. And as you say, that's before the free trade agreement mm -hmm. came in. I mentioned the stat earlier that in the first month of that being provisionally applied, it was the transition from the, the EU Vietnam free trade agreement. But in the first month of of our bilateral one being applied, we saw mm -hmm. a 78% increase compared to mm -hmm. trade in January last Excellent. year. Obviously, we, we need to wait longer to see the longer term mm -hmm. um, trajectories and so on, but that's really encouraging. Um, and I think also to put that in context, Vietnamese products going to the UK is currently only 1% of the UK mm -hmm. import market that is coming from Vietnam. So I don't think we're anywhere near reaching a kind of ceiling of the potential of that growth. I think there's huge opportunity to keep mm -hmm. on that trajectory. And for those that are wondering about how to make the most out of this free trade agreement, it could be at the consumer level, it could be at the business owner level. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can illustrate what the highest demand categories are, like from the trade yeah. that's going from the UK to here and, yeah. and vice versa. Maybe if you can, like, oh, is it cars or is it electronics? Sure. Maybe sure. paint that picture a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah, sure. So in terms of products coming from the UK into Vietnam, mm -hmm. our highest categories are things like pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. and also areas like um, machinery. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of goods going the other direction, um, biggest categories include things like uh, footwear and clothing. Mm -hmm. And um, all four of those categories of goods that I've just mentioned uh, all come under this uh, tariff elimination scheme. Mm -hmm. So within so some, uh, uh, I think 65% of goods will just have the tariffs removed immediately. Um, so they have gone now, they're at 0% tariffs. 
and it, that will go up to 99% of goods and categories with by full implementation in, in six years' time. So mm. those are kind of huge benefits that will affect those big categories mm-hmm. of, um, of, of goods. And then I think it is also, it does, the, the free trade agreement does also do much more than that. So mm-hmm. um, it, it also has quite a lot in there about uh, services liberalisation and things like access to government procurement contracts and things mm-hmm. like that that are also very important in terms of just liberalising the market and, mm-hmm. and increasing the level of opportunity. Excellent. And aside from the biggest category ones, what are what are the fastest growing? Maybe like maybe they're kind of small right now, but they might be growing faster. Uh, yeah. Do you have any kind of idea about those? So I would. Um, I mean, it's all growing pretty fast all, all as a baseline. <laughs> but um, you know, we mentioned tech briefly mm-hmm. earlier. I think that's a, an area of lots of opportunity mm-hmm. that will that is sort of at the beginning of mm-hmm. that journey compared to some of the much more established sectors. Because you know, we have a really a long history um, of trading, a long trading history uh, between the UK and Vietnam. And you can see that, I think, by, you know, you've got British banks here that are real institutions, the Mm -hmm. likes of HSBC, Standard Charter. They've been here for a long, long time. Um, Through to then, we've got these really new areas, new sectors that are that are kind of rapidly coming onto the scene. So and it's a whole speaking range. about British companies, we have mm. quite a number of them on the show, and I think in the ah. past, but also in the future. So yeah. I think you're kicking off this whole trend that we're covering. So Which is wonderful. Yeah, I think yeah. you mentioned uh, mm. a few British companies mm-hmm. in different areas. And, and I'm really proud of so many of the British companies mm-hmm. uh, here. You know, they're, they're big names that people know of, but they're also known for being innovative, mm-hmm. values-driven businesses, um, some you know, great examples, I think, of British businesses who are making really meaningful, innovative changes um, in introducing products and services that are really valuable to people. So, you know, for example, here in in Ho Chi Minh City, I always think walking around, um, you know, the the Landmark 81, Mm -hmm. that was uh, Arup, a a British Mm. architectural company who led the construction on Mm -hmm. that. Um, We've got another British company called Mott McDonald who are involved right now in uh, through our uh, global future cities program mm-hmm. in in providing technology um, to address what I think are probably the, the two biggest issues in this city of traffic and of flooding so they're providing smart ticketing technology um, for the new public transport systems being put in place and they're providing uh, drainage mapping systems to help with flooding. So these are kind of really, they're, they're really innovative, but mm-hmm. they're also really meaningful mm-hmm. and address, addressing challenges that actually matter to people here, I think. So. They matter, but sometimes they're also not that visible in the sense that there's a lot of expertise and, and team that goes into it. But obviously the branding yeah. isn't everywhere because they're very B2B kind of companies. Yeah. But it's great to see that impact and, and yeah. hopefully we can showcase more of that in, in the future. Yeah. Um, that's just our first question, Emily. Um, we have our second from uh, our listener. So Zoe again will we'll play the second question for us. Hi, I have a question for Miss Emily. So UK companies have emerged as innovators in recent years, especially in areas like technology and healthcare. What are some UK companies that we can highlight today doing good work in Vietnam and vice versa? Thank you so much. You mentioned so those big names already, yeah. but maybe go into it more specifically. Sh- sure, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, another really great question. So thank you for that. I I, um, I think there are so many UK innovative companies. I mentioned a couple already. Mm-hmm. In terms of in healthcare specifically, another one that I would highlight is um, 
Prudential, mm. which is actually another iconic building in, in Ho Chi Minh City mm-hmm. as well, the, the one with Prudential uh, on the top. And they recently, I think it was in May last year, they, mm-hmm. they launched this health app called Pulse. Mm. You might have seen it around, but it's an AI-driven health and wellness app, and mm-hmm. it's already been downloaded two million times in Vietnam. Mm. And I think... It, it basically it brings together lots of different technology and information and expertise to help people uh, understand symptoms that they're having, to also engage remotely and virtually with healthcare experts. And then if you want to engage with someone in real life, then it can also help you kind of navigate that system and book things in for you. So it's a really, again, amazing, um, valuable to customers, value, valuable c- to consumers, highly innovative based on the latest technology. That a, that a British company is uh, leading the charge on here. So I have lots of British companies to be proud too many, of. Too many to pick, I think, <laughs> for, for just a, a short podcast like yeah. today. Um, I mean, that's great to hear, Emily. I think uh, when I was growing up, I grew up from a, a more American background, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the presence of British companies, it's not super obvious. You know, They've been around for decades, if not centuries. So mm. you know, today's podcast is an effort to kind of showcase that. And thank you for sharing those um, and everything else the UK is doing for this relationship with Vietnam. That wraps up, uh, wraps up today's podcast, actually. We want to keep these to around 30 minutes. So mm-hmm. um, thank you for your time, Emily. Well, thank uh, you so much. It's for been a pleasure for, for hosting you here. And um, any maybe last comments you want to share to our readership who are both young and old and maybe mm-hmm. are very curious about this relationship um, and, and what you see for the future, perhaps? Sure. So I think mm-hmm. I would just say that I see a really positive future for the UK-Vietnam relationship. And I feel really proud and honored, I guess, to get to come here at this time and take on this role and get to play a part in that because I think we've got a great few years coming up. Excellent. And for those of you wondering, Emily has just moved to Ho Chi Minh City, I think, uh, less than six months ago. So yeah. her, her time in Ho Chi Minh City is, is a couple more years to come. So uh, I'm sure her and her team and, and many years to come after that will be very happy to hear from our listeners about ways to work together. Thank you again, Emily, and uh, we'll help, hope to see you soon. Yes, I hope so too. Thanks. Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip, hosted by our VP of content, Thuy Minh, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators, hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week, so don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Thanks for listening to another episode of Vietnam Innovators, brought to you by our partners, health tech startup GeoHealth. They're best known for their doctor-at-home services, but offer much more than that. If you haven't already, check out their mobile apps on the App Store and Google Play for more, or drop by for a visit to their new smart clinic at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City.